this morning, we're carrying on our series. We started uh, the beginning of the month. We started the series called Testify. Can everybody say Testify. We're called to do that. Everybody's called to testify. A couple months ago, I was just reading in my quiet time, and uh, in Psalms 107, it says this, verses 1 and 2, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And then it goes on to said, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. And so there's this thing of we've got to be careful who and what gets to carry the narrative of our life and of our culture. And so we're saying, hey, we got something to say. All the believers, I know the New Living Translation says this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Like, has that happened? Did he do something for you? And then he goes on to say, then speak out. Oh, I forgot I could see that on. Children. I love the babies. I just had two of my precious little ones right there. Children, five and under, just children, excuse me, five to fifth grade. Y'all can ease on out. Pastor Nathan's back there ready to go. Man, I'm going to get this down one day, y'all. <laughs> y'all pray for the pastor. He's got to help us, Jesus. I just get excited like, let's get in this. And so when he says that, he says, then speak out. Tell others he's redeemed you from your enemies. In other words, how many know it's easy to talk about things that, that are going wrong and things that aren't right and things that trouble us and things that we get upset about? It's easy, and many times we gravitate towards that. But God says, hey, has he done anything for you at all? Like you woke up this morning, did he do that this morning for you? I mean, you're here this morning, you're here online. And man, we celebrate God's goodness first of all. You're here with us. And so we've been in this series, and the first one, we, we, just to give you a real quick recap, we testified about the grace of God. And that's this supernatural empowerment that it's not in your ability, it's he gives us this ability, supernatural empowerment. And then we testified about the goodness of God. And let me say, there, after uh, the people, the testimonies that have been coming in, and the ones testifying like in just a little while, just so you know, this is testify, we're talking about it. You're going to get an opportunity to testify. I don't care if it's your first Sunday here, you've been here since the beginning of the church, the first day the church opened, you get an opportunity to testify. So we testified about his grace, his goodness. Last week, we were all, if you missed it, you got some cheap sunglasses that were pretty cool that our elder Eads broke out with some provision. Uh, he took that in a whole different direction. I was like, provision? He's like, provision. We got rid of our amateur vision and began to look at his provision and provision for our lives. And today, we're going to be going on to power. Everybody say power. power. Say it like you mean it. Power. You know, that's right. Come on, power. That's one of these. Power. You know, it's, it's, it's one of these things that it's one of the things we crave. It's like we want power over every circumstance. We want power over everything. We just want power. And if we're not careful, we get so power hungry. And so, you know, it's like we, we don't even know how to use it sometimes. And if we're not careful, we'll think it's, it's something more than what it really is. It's, and so I know in every, in every sphere in our society, and, you know, it started in our homes. Anybody that was other than a 
only child. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the, th the, the thirst for power. <laughs> like the power of the front seat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we called it shotgun. Like, I got shotgun. And if you're the fourth in line, it don't matter. I could call it all day long. Shotgun is like, you're going on the back. You're going in the back seat. But I felt good. Like, I got shotgun. I was the first one here waiting. And then I had two older brothers and older sisters. Like, get out of the way, Mark. I'm sitting in the front. I'm like, I called it first. So what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to go sit in the back because I want to, not because y'all making me, just so you know that. <laughs> just so we know I got power to go sit in the back seat. It's all on how you look at it. Remember when you were little, little guys, hey, remember when you got to be the line leader? Did that ever go to your head? Like, oh, whoa, 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 you ain't getting ahead of me. I'm a leader. You stay behind. We, we would get serious about this stuff. It happens in every, at work, we want power. We want, in, in sports, come on now, y'all. Woo, Lordy. I had people text me, somehow something happened with a little ball and a little bat. And this, this, little, this little major league with a little A on the top of it. <laughs> the Atlanta Braves, like they made it the World Series. They're like, woo! I said, don't get too excited just yet. <laughs> Taylor, if you're watching, man, I love you. <laughs> Only kidding, relax. But yeah, we want power. We, it's something we crave and we got to be careful because Jesus wants us to have it, but we're to wield it and yield it in such a way that it honors God and helps others. If not, we just build it under ourselves, and it's never effective. Matter of fact, in Acts 1, 1 through 8, I'm going to read through this. And this is where Jesus, he's not gone, he hadn't left, he, he's, he's risen from the dead. He keeps showing up to his disciples, and he tells them what he wants in Acts 1, uh, our, our Luke, the, 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 the Acts writer, he's saying, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being sent, being seen by them, during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, what he's saying here really, so when Jesus rose from the dead, there were 40 days that he kept meeting with them, and then there were 10 other days of that. It's 50 days is what we call Pentecost, and we'll do something on that coming up after Easter. That is a day. It's been really taken out of context because it, when we say Pentecostal, you're like, oh, so you're talking about 50 days? Because that's what Pentecost means, 50 days. Um, this is where Jesus is with his disciples during this time, and he's telling them about the kingdom of God. He is literally fixing to fly out of here. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, what are you talking about? No, that's not, that's my translation. 
He said, you're going to restore. I'm going to give you power. And they're like, yeah, we're going to have power. These Romans that have ruled over us, they're going down. And that's what they thought. It's like, are you going to restore now? We're going to get that power. And Jesus said, what? It's not for you to know times or seasons what the Father has put in his own authority. He said, but you shall receive dunamis, power, dynamite, like, whoa, this thing that just ignites and lights up inside of you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you shall give it to the Romans like they've been handing it to you. You're going to be able to, <laughs> you'll be able to, everybody that's messed with you, they're getting theirs. No, that's not what he said. You will be witness to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. You know, it's funny because talking about understanding power, there's two words in the Greek, exousia, where you get to execute this power, and then dunamis, which is this overwhelming power that you get to operate, that operates in us and through us. And Jesus was with his disciples for three years, and they never quite understood this thing about power, just like many of us today. Like there are churches that try to exert power over churches. Like we got power and you don't. I'm like, what? We have the same Holy Spirit. We save the whole thing. We are called to do what God's called us to do. And so the capital C needs to come in line with what Jesus meant when he was talking about power. I think of Luke 9, uh, 1, 1 and 2. This gives an example of this thing about not understanding power, Jesus' disciples. In verses 1 and 2, it says this, Jesus sends out, he sent, uh, he's sending out the 12 disciples. He's, they're fixing to go. And so he sends them out and he gives them this power. He, he gives them the power to cast out demons. He gives them the power to heal diseases. And in so doing, when he does that, he's getting it over there, y'all. Y'all looking at me and then y'all look up there. I see eyes are coming in there going, so it says, it literally, if you got your Bible app, you can look there also. But it says, he gave them the power to do this, to heal diseases, and then he sent them out to do it. And so when we think about what he was doing and how he's doing it, he's like, I want you to have this. And so they went out and they exercised this power, and it was incredible. And they were so excited. But then if you go a little bit further, so they're on this, this journey with Jesus, and, and in the, the gospel of Luke the, in that ninth chapter, like in there, there's a lot of other things that take place, like James and, and, and John and Peter, they get to go up on the mountain and Jesus transfigures himself and he sees Jesus standing there and Elijah, which represents the prophet, and Moses, which represents the law, and they're having this conversation and they're just sitting there like, what, what? Like amazed that they get to experience this. And then Peter, who I love, very impetuous, I just got to say something. And he says, hey, Jesus, maybe we ought to build a three tabernacles right here. One for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses. He didn't know what to say, so he had to say something. He just experienced something. But they experienced that, come down from the mountain. And then Jesus is saying, I'm, a little later in the chapter, he's like, I'm fixing to go. I'm going to Jerusalem because I'm preparing to die. And, and he tells them, I'm going to Jerusalem. And in, in verse, a uh, little bit down in the 50s, uh, he's going to Samaria. He said, go and tell the people in Samaria, tell them, hey, I'm coming through here. And the Samaritan said, 
you ain't coming through here if you're going to Jerusalem because we don't like Israel. We, we don't like the Jews. We're like Samaritans. We're half priests. We don't want them in our, you can't come through here. And so y'all check this out. In verse 54, these same people that got the power <laughs> to heal diseases, <laughs> the same people that got to cast out demons, this is what they said. When the disciples, James and John, who had just been at the mountaintop with him, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? <laughs> it's like, where did you go? You went there with that, with that power? Like you got this power to, to, to take authority over evil spirits. You got this power to heal diseases. Now you want to bring down fire from heaven to, to consume people? They didn't understand what the power was for. They were literally, in, in, a, in, in Luke 10, it even goes on to say. In Luke 10, he sends out 72 more. And in Luke 10, they come back excited because they come back and, and they told Jesus, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us. Like we got power over evil spirits. And, and, and it's like, in, your, in his name, he's like, of course, duh. You're using my name? What's the big deal? They were all excited. And Jesus said, hey, don't get excited about that. that. That's not something you get excited about. Like, I got power over the devil. It's like, of course, I've got all the power. He said, rather, what you need to rejoice is, is that your name's written in heaven. See, they got there below the sun and they're above the sun mixed up. Many times we get our below the sun, where we live, this is how we do our life daily, and our above the sun mixed up. Jesus settles our above the sun, period. There's nothing good I can do in my own strength and effort to get me above the sun, as well there's nothing bad I can do to exclude me from getting above the sun. That's good news for some people that have messed up bad like me. <laughs> but others that were just good all the time, you don't have to worry, you go, your goodness go get you there. Not really, but... So we've got to watch out that somehow when we get this power that we don't try to wield it in some way other than what God intended. And I want to look at, at five things real quick this morning and then some of you are going to testify about the power of God in your life. And I've got five areas where God demonstrated his power and I want to see if some of these you've experienced those and you've used those. Number one is God's power to create. God's power to create. You got to think before anything you see here, there was nothing. It was void. It was dark. There was nothing. I was having a conversation with a young man earlier uh, last week, and he was saying that how he couldn't believe that, um, that his teacher had told him that, you know, look, they, was te they were teaching about the Big Bang Theory, the explosion, this thing of of these, this collide of this co cosmic collision happened and perfect order came out of it. And I said, whoa, 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 Austin. You're going, you're giving it too easy to them. Where did the things come from that collided? <laughs> you're like, hold it, you, you can't have a collision unless there's something to collide. Where did they come from? Where did that come from? This whole thing of creation, God created everything. John 1, 1. It, through three says it this way, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God, fully God. 
And so he was in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him. And apart from him, nothing was created that has been created. Or one translation, nothing was made that was made. In other words, he created it all. And so when you, you and I, when we get the opportunity to look at a starry night, and we get to look out and go, wow, he created it. When we get to look at a majestic mountain, wow, he created it. When you get to look at a beautiful stream, or you get to look at any, you look at it, your eyes get to behold, your ears get to behold a beautiful bird, you know, singing, and you get to, oh, wow. You get to experience that he created it. We get to enjoy he demonstrates his power in creation. Matter of fact, Romans 1.20 says it this way. For his invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. Like he demonstrated, as you look around, you can see his power demonstrated. And so I want to say this. It's great that God demonstrates his power through creation. You're, you and ours, his greatest creation. Look around at masterpieces all right next to you. Look right next to somebody and say, I'm a masterpiece. <laughs> now look at the other one you don't like as much. I mean, only kid, <laughs> your second best. <laughs> Say, I'm a masterpiece. You get into behold, look, I'm a masterpiece. There's never been anybody like you ever on the history of the world. We're the only ones that carry image bearer. Created in God's image, there's nothing else that gets that. We get that. And I want to say that how that plays out in our lives. Man, some of you in here, man, I've experienced so much blessing. Like when you read a poem that, it really gets his. And by the way, some of those I struggle with. I'm just going to be honest. I'm a math and science guy more so than the literature. I'm like, I, what are they saying? I'm not sure. But when you write a story, when you read a book that you just can't put it down, God's creation, his creative power operating through you. When you see people write songs and some of you have written songs and, and you hear it, man, you're hearing this thing. And I, I, I'll be honest. I sit down to write a song and y'all would, would laugh and y'all would sit there and go, oh, did a kindergartner write that? Um, but there are people that are gifted. It's the creation of God. When they paint, you know, you give me a canvas and it's got some numbers in it that associate with colors. And I, oh, that can look good. But if you just gave me a canvas and some paint, I guess abstract would be an appropriate word to use as what it would look like. Interpretation would be everything. But that's God's creative power being demonstrated through you. And I want some of you to testify about that this morning. So in, in song and writing and every aspect of the arts, he loves to do that. The second area of God's power is demonstrated. His power is demonstrated through conviction. Conviction. And that's the part many of us don't like as much. But it's where we get solid. It's where we get firm. It's, it's like when I'm going in my own way and I'm going in my own direction, God's power to convict me like, that if we will yield to that, we will find that he wants to do a tremendous work in us. Matter of fact, 
Jesus at the Last Supper talking to his disciples in John 16, verses 8 through 11, he says it this way. When he comes, talking about the, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world about three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. And some of those sound harsh. They're like, we're going to convict about sin and righteousness and judgment. It seems real hard. But really, when you break it down and look at what Jesus is talking about, it's really, it's, it's so life-giving and so life-changing. The first part being sin. Sin, look what it says. About sin because they do not believe in me. They just don't trust. Jesus said when he comes back to the earth, he's looking for one thing, faith. Will you just trust? Will you just believe? It's like it, it's the hardest thing, but it's, Jesus used a child to teach about trust and belief. They were sitting there and, and rebuking him. It's like, hey, give me, give me a child. And he holds up, holds up a child and he said, unless you become like this, you can't even see the kingdom of God. Because they just trust. There's an innocence that I trust who you are and I trust you'll take care of me. I see a little baby back here just resting on daddy. Just, There's total trust and peace right now. Just like she ain't wanting anything. I'm at total rest right here in a straight. Like, whoa, I love it. It's a beautiful thing that God wants us to trust, believe in him. That's sin. Matter of fact, Romans says this, anything done outside of faith is sin. Like if I'm doing it on my own ability, it's sin. It goes on about righteousness. Now, now righteousness is just doing the things right because they're right. How many of you know sometimes whew, it's hard to do us right? Maybe all y'all are, you're perfect. I forgot, excuse me. I struggle sometimes <laughs> because this flesh wants to do what it wants to do. And this thing, when he said he convicted the world about righteousness, because he's always right. Here's a man that was tempted in every way, just like you and I, but never gave in to it. Never said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my own thing. Always, God, what you want me to do? What you want me to do? Father, hey, Father, what you want me to do? And did it. And then he said of judgment, and that's where people struggle. Man, I get people so many times, they judge themselves so harsh. I like to put it this way. We're our best lawyers, and we're also our harshest judge. So I can reason myself out of anything. I can, I can reason myself, why it ain't my fault? Why it ain't that? I'm not well. But then when the truth comes, I'll be so harsh on myself. Why'd you do You did this, and you did that. I'm telling you, judgment there are two judgments in Scripture, and I'm not going to go into great detail this morning, but there's two judgments. One is the judgment that we, before the judgment seat of Christ, where you're going to be sitting there, and that's where any believer, by the way, if you put your faith in Christ, if you do the first one about sin, righteousness, that judgment, you don't even see that judgment. So if you place your faith in Christ, you skip a judgment. <laughs> Woo, wow, man, I don't have to give an account for myself because Jesus is my account for myself. I count his death and his resurrection as full payment for my sin. I am righteous because of what he did, not because of anything I've done. And so I become righteous. I skip that judgment. But there are going to be those that stand before God if you don't trust in him. And you're going to have to give an account for your life of what you did with it and why you rejected. And that's why it says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. I just think it's always best to do it this side of heaven. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. You'll be much better. You're going to do it. You just want to do it this side of heaven. You don't want to wait till you get there because it's not good for there. So then there's the second judgment, and that is our works. 
what we do. It will. We'll see, was this out of selfish ambition? Was this out of my own desire to puff myself up? There's going to be a lot where you're going, I'm not going to be a lot to be laid at the feet of Jesus. That's a second judgment. So he came to do that. Conviction, it's a beautiful thing if you'll receive that. And the third area where he demonstrates his power is through connection. Like you talk about connection. This is the God that made everything. He connects everything together. Anybody ever been somewhere overseas or been somewhere away from home somewhere and you run into somebody you know and it wasn't planned at all? Like you're, you're out and about and you're going all of a sudden you say, hey, hey, what are you doing here? Like these different divine connections or you sit around and start talking to somebody. Like we had a situation here where we had a secretary that had been here for a little while and she's probably watching online, Margie, and, and we got to talking. Guess what? We were cousins, y'all. <laughs> we started talking through this and going, hey, yeah, and this person, did. we ended up at a flame reunion together. Hey, girl. God has divine connections. He's always about connection. It's number one. Matter of fact, he connects us to the gospel. That's Romans 1, 16 and 7. where I'm not ashamed, Paul writing here, to the Romans. He said, I'm not ashamed of the, the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. Let me say this. This isn't God loves them more. This is, hey, they're the first one closest right to it. Like Jesus was raised in Jew, he was a Jew raised in the, in, the, in the culture and that like all through that, through the Old Testament and he shows up as the Messiah. And so he says, hey, first to them and then to the Gentiles. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Also in, uh, in John 15, 12 through 13, he says, this is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friend. God gives us the power to connect. And I love what Colossians, when Paul write, wrote, wrote to the church at Colossus, he said this, therefore, this is us, y'all, this is you and me, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, Put on compassion. Like it's something we got to put on. Put on kindness. Put on humility, gentleness, patience. I'm talking to the church right now, y'all. <laughs> I mean, you know, church people can be pretty rough on each other. Y'all ain't got to say amen too loud. I'm going to say amen. <laughs> it's one of those things. I'm just saying to you this way. It was church people that killed Jesus, just so you know. Religious leaders of his day that were supposed to hold the word of God, they killed him. And it says, put these things on, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against brother, another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so also forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let me say, these are things that we want to make sure that we clothe ourselves with in connecting with God and connecting with others. I love it. We're not going to turn there, but John 1, um, 4 says this way, how can we say we love God who we can't see when I can't love my brothers and sisters who I can see? 
It's powerful. And then the, the fourth one is God's power to cure. First it's in his power to create, then his power to convict, his power to connect, and then his power to cure. And this is one of the ones that we struggle with the most. For those who've ever lost a loved one that you prayed dearly, hard, intensely for, and it didn't happen, my heart goes out to you. I'm, I'm that person. I sat by my dad's side, eating away with cancer for 31 days. And I begged God, and I pleaded with God, and I said, God, please heal my daddy. This strong man that raised seven kids and put us all in private school and just selflessly gave of himself so that we could have. And I'll never forget the day when he took his last breath. And I want to say all 31 days, I sat there fully. It was a four-year period, but the church graciously gave me 31, a, a, a leave of absence to go serve my dad. It just happened to be 31 days. But as I sat there, I literally expected any day for him to get up and go, man, that was rough. Let's go give me something to eat. <laughs> but he never did. I share one story from that that God blessed us with. And many of you know it, but about two weeks before he passed, my dad, I mean, he didn't take a lot of more. He didn't want hallucinogenic drugs. He said they make him hallucinate. He wanted to be clean. So he lived in a lot of pain, but he was clear. And he made me. I was the one right beside him. He said, Mark, call everybody. Call all the kids. There were seven of us. Get all them and their families. I want everybody here this afternoon in Jacksonville. And most of us live in Darien and surrounding you know, areas. So I said, you got it, Dad. So we got everybody in the room. He's in a hospital bed, and there's like 40 of us all around the bed, like, whoa, everybody trying to get in to see. And I said, Dad, we're all here. We're here. And he looked, and he, and his gracious, he started going around. I love you. I love you. I love you. He told everybody, I love you. He closed his eyes, put his head on his pillow, and went, And he sat there, everybody looking at each other awkward, like, they look at me, I'm like, he told me to call you, I don't know. In just a minute, one eye pops open. And he looks around at us, and he goes, rats, I'm still here. <laughs> In his mind, I guess he thought, he thought, man, if I just do this one thing, I can get out of here. And then he, he got my mom. He said, Della, come here. What do I got to do to get out of this place? <laughs> when, we talk, when we start talking about healing, we talk, we got to understand that there's a purpose in healing. I don't have all the answers to that, but I do know, according to Psalms 103, 1 through 3, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is with me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits who pardons all of your guilt and heals all your diseases. Now, he doesn't heal. He heal all diseases are healed, but he doesn't heal every disease, just so you know. And I celebrate with each one of you that I've seen miracles happen where people have been called back from the dead. And I'm telling you, it happened not long ago last year where a girl, we got a call that she had died. Her dad had found her unresponsive. She was complete, no pulse, no nothing. Don't know how long she'd been there. Man, I'm telling you, we began to pray. Our freedom group said, uh-uh, no, 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 no. Her daddy was, uh, had tried to revive her, didn't have, uh, he, he couldn't get anything. Ambulance shows up. 
get her in the ambulance. They got some bit of a pulse, got to the hospital, and they told her, they told her family that, look, mm, she, I don't know, we got some going, but if she lives, it'll, she'll just be a vegetable the rest of her life. So I'm getting these texts, vegetable. I'm like, no, she's not a vegetable. She's going to be alive. She'll be fruitful, not a vegetable. She'll be fruitful, not a vegetable. We're going to continue. It's going to be, she's going to do more. She, not today. She don't get to die. No, 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 no. And all of us in our freedom, we just began to cry out and say no. Well, the next day, she, she pops up, awake. Whoop. She just couldn't hear out of one ear. And then they said, well, her liver enzymes and all that, they're way out of whack. She's probably, you know, that's, that's going to... Nope, them don't go. So a week later, she's walking out of the hospital. Like I got to walk up in the hospital and see her. I'm telling you, it happens. I, can, can I say, oh, it was my prayer. It was your prayer. It was a, Jesus, thank you, Lord, you're just that good. It's never us to take credit for that. And so there again, 1 Peter 2, 24 says, and he himself bore, uh, bought, brought our sins in his body upon the cross so that we might die to sin and live forever righteousness. By his wounds you are healed, and he does heal today. And I will never stop, and that's why we encourage you. If you're sick, we will be having prayer after the service if you need that, prayer for healing. The fifth and final one that God's powers demonstrated is he demonstrates it through comfort. And if ever there was a time we need the comfort of the Lord in these uncertain times, we need to plug in to this. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. What kind of rest? For your soul. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I'm lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Y'all, that's your mind, that's your will, and that's your emotions. That's my mind, my will, and my emotions. They can run away with us many times. Like we can see things that aren't, that are, and if we're not careful, it'll try to take us into dark places. And Jesus said, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't go there, come here. Don't go there, don't let, come to me. You'll find rest for your soul. He invites us to do that. And he said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That's where Jesus wants to lead and guide us into. Matter of fact, in that Last Supper, John 15, 26, it says, but when the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So the Holy Spirit was given to us to continually Bring the testimony of Jesus up. It's all about him, y'all. And this morning, I want to give some of you an opportunity. We're going to sing just a moment. We're going to worship for just a moment. We've got a thing I want to do this with. And, but I want you to share your testimony. I want you to testify about the power of God. Was it, was it something that he did? Maybe he's used you to create. Maybe he's used you in some way where you can testify to his to his ability to to comfort through you to his ability to connect or maybe it was a conviction he put on you to go man you were going in a direction and man his goodness his convicting power came and said mm, don't do that maybe it was in a cure 
that he did. I want to give us an opportunity, but I want us to, to sing, and I, I want to pray for us real quick. And I want you to think about just a moment this morning. Like you came to church, you showed up, and basically church is us gathered together. The church, this is an auditorium that we meet in, that the church meets in. This is not, quote, the church. This is a building. <laughs> if anything that COVID has proven is that it's not a, a building. It's, it's us. Church means a gathering. Right now online, the church is gathering. Right now, there's other incredible churches that, that, that are meeting together that are worshiping Jesus. And it doesn't matter what we, what we label out there. It's, it's us. It's who we are. Beautiful. But as the church, we come together. And I want us to pray that, that as we pray that, that this, this work of Jesus, that this power, I want you to think about what is it that God's demonstrated in and through you? Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus, Lord, first I thank you that your willingness to go far beyond what my mind could even grasp. The Lord, to the lowest of the love, to the worst of the worst, you died for it all. The, the, the worst sin that we could ever think of, Lord, you, you died for it and for the person who committed it. And Lord, I thank you that your love transcends everything that my mind can come up, any reasons my mind can come up with that would say, hey, I, I'm, I'm not good enough. And Lord, I pray right now that your love isn't something to su simply be uh, taught, but it's something to be caught, it's something to be experienced. And I pray that your love right now would flood every heart listening, either right now or later. Lord, thank you for causing that to happen. Lord, I pray that as we take a few moments to worship that, Lord, your people, the redeemed, would say so. We would share what you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. I worship you. I worship you. 
Thank you, Lord. That's who he is. It's what he does. It's his nature. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to give those who would like it this time. I'm going to ask you to, if you would, enter this side. And I don't, like I said, I don't care if this is your first Sunday here. I don't care if you've been here forever. I want to give you an opportunity to come testify. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I don't care. Take just a moment if there's an area or something God's done in your life. I want you to, to come and share that with us. And uh, we're all better for that. And so um, we're going to take just a moment. This has been our series. And let me say next week, y'all, you, you don't want to miss next week because we're going to cap it off with uh, a, a, a pastor that, man, he's got such insight. Joe Cost, who pastored Chris Renewal up in um, Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, him and his wife, Carolyn, you talk about power and walking through and they came here and the doctors have kept saying, no, this happened. And they keep going like, I'm sorry, we don't believe we're trusting God. And so him and one of our elders, Bill um, Kofer, they're going to be sharing and testifying to God's grace. Y'all want to be here, God's power. You'll want to be here for that. But go ahead, come on up, Henry. I'm going to ask him if you'll come this way and then we're just going to exit right down this side. just want to share with you, I was a teacher for 24 years with my great friend Tony Bass back there. <laughs> and students don't care how much you know until they know you really care. Recently, a young lady uh, became a vendor in, 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 our, in my store, and I was the first manager that she met. And so throughout the weeks, I would just holler at her and, you know, Build relationships. Building relationships is so important. I mean, you don't have to stay there for an hour. You can just say, hi, how are you doing? But at least they have some familiarity with you. The other day, uh, a couple of weeks ago, she came in and she had on a bandana. And so I said, Wendy, that's a beautiful bandana. And she said, I wear it when I have migraine. I said, you have a migraine? She said, yes. I said, let me hold your hand. You know, I didn't do like some of y'all start shouting down. I said, let me hold your hand. <laughs> and because of just, hey, how you doing? She did that. And so I held her for about a minute. She said, Henry, what are we doing? I said, I'm in agreement with you that that headache is dissipating, that it's going away. And so I held her for about a minute and left her then. Throughout the day, I saw her, I said, how's your headache? And she said, it's, it's going away. I saw her a couple of days ago, I said, when did you got a headache again? Because she had on a bandana. She said, no, Henry, it's a bad hair day. <laughs> Y'all see me in a bandana, don't say anything. I'm having a no hair day. <laughs> started this series on testifying that sooner or later I'd have to get up here because God has been so good to me and uh, my problem is that I don't want to be too long but I became a Christian I, I accepted Jesus and First Baptist Church on St. Simon's when I was about 11 years old and I was baptized and I hey, let's celebrate St. Simon's Baptist Woo! 
Praise the Lord for that's them. Right. Ooh, that's right. And I thank, I thank them, and I thank the good teachers. The, the, I was in Sunday school, and there are certain ones I still remember that, that were, they taught me. You know what I mean? They were there. They were faithful, and they brought me to the Lord. They did. But anyway, um, I, I'm, I really had a change of heart. Uh, I was a spoiled child. I was the youngest of three, and my oldest brother was 16 years older than I, so I was the, you know, the, just the last tail end in the family. Anyway, I was spoiled. I was the only little girl, and I was spoiled. My one brother told me, you're a, you're a spoiled brat, and I really was. But anyway, the Lord uses spoiled brats, too. So... Um, I, I went on, I was baptized. The Lord, from then on, I really had a heart for the Lord. And I would, he talked to me. He talked to me. I, I knew that it was him talking to me. And um, I said, well, anyway, let's don't go too far. But I, I married young. I had two beautiful daughters. I was a Navy wife. Uh, lived in California and lived in Virginia. And um, I realized that as a, and I took my kids to Sunday school. My husband was not a Christian. Uh, I took my kids to church. First thing I would do everywhere. I was surprised when I found out that California had Southern Baptist churches. I figured Southern Baptists were just in the South. But the first Sunday in California, I went and joined the closest Southern Baptist church and I didn't skip a Sunday school lesson or anything. Went right on to that. But anyway, I did realize that as a Christian, I was missing something. Um, I had no joy. Uh, I was depressed, and I really, anyway, I knew that I was missing something. And, I, you know, I said, Lord, and I went to see a neighbor that was dying, and I took her a little good news Bible, but I couldn't tell her about Jesus. I couldn't talk about Jesus. And I went back in my bedroom at home and I cried and I said, Lord, if you're going to put things like this on my heart, you've got to give me the power to do it. I couldn't talk to the lady about Jesus. But anyway, and guess what I was asking for? I was asking for the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, and I didn't know it. But from that time on, I had a next-door neighbor that was went to a Pentecostal church, and I went there. These people were singing. They hold a hymn book in one hand and stick the other hand in the air. And I thought, whew, they're weird. But <laughs> they had joy. They were happy in their faith in God. And I went looking for joy. I said, uh, I knew unchristians who were happier than I was. And I went looking for joy. Anyway, the long and short, that I got into Rock Church in Virginia Beach in Virginia, and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit there. And my life changed from that time on. I was now I can tell people about Jesus, you know. Now I can tell them why I smile and why I have joy, and what you know what's going on in my life. So I, I and the the journey continues. The journey continues. Through, um, the Lord has been with me all my life. He is still with me, and I know He will be with me to the end. And His Holy Spirit just works in me in every day. Amen. Thank you, Kyle, so much. You sharing too, Doc, or are you just helping? You going to talk? Good. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, most of you, I imagine, are too young to really relate to this. But I believe that he has uh, angels that look over us and watch over us every day. 
And when I was in a teenager, I kept mine busy. I was, I want to tell you three things. One was I had a friend who had a car and it could only drive one way, start spinning and stop sliding. So I was in the back seat behind the driver and we were on a country bridge. Now country bridge doesn't have any side bars. It doesn't have anything. You run down the middle and the boards flap on both ends. So he decided he wanted to leave a stretch mark. He wanted to leave his mark on this bridge. Okay. My back window where I was sitting was down. He dropped it down and low and he floored it. And it started fishtailing like this. And I looked out and I looked down and all I could see was water. No boards at all. I tried to tear the door open on the other side trying to get out. But somehow it stayed on. All right, that's one. Number two, I guess most of you have been to record hops or something like that. I had our car, an old Buick, and I had been to a record hop. And it a was what? a record hop. You a, know you hop over records? No, you hop man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and we were dancing to have a big hop. time. I stayed too long. I was getting going home. I had that blue wound up to about eighty. And I was I was getting it. And you know how when they late at night you get these little clouds of wispy clouds uh, across the road and all the places. And I wasn't thinking about it. I was just going through them. And I looked over to my right and I saw two of the biggest mules I have ever seen. And they were out. They had just turned, I had gotten loose and they were on the side of the shoulder of the road. If they had been in the, sh in the road, that would have been all she wrote, buddy. And I decided right then, I'll take my beating when I get home, but I'll get home. And third thing, I had a girlfriend. I was going out to see her and it had been raining and it had rained and was really, it was pretty bad. But I was going on anyway and it had stopped. And I knew the road just because I had been out so many times. And I saw a place in front of me like they had patched it with asphalt. But I knew they hadn't done this in this county. And as I got closer, I got slower and slower and I stopped. There was a hole uh, about from half as far as from here to there. You could have hid my whole car in it. There was nothing around it. There was no warning, nothing. 
but somehow I had realized that I better stop. I got out, got me a pine limb, stuck it up in the hole and all that. But I tell you, that was another time the Lord looked after me. So there's three chances. So I kept the angels busy. <laughs> Anybody else share that testimony? Keeping angels busy a lot. <laughs> Man, what's up? Come on. Break it out. Well, hello, everybody. I'm actually new here. Um, we actually live on a boat, so I just wanted to say the Lord has given me a place to sing and play my ukulele. So we recently went on to a mission trip in the Bahamas. So, you know, you go in there, and they're still very locked down in there. Everybody has to wear a mask, or you're going to get thrown in jail, or you're going to get fined. So... You know, it was very dangerous, to, you know, to be not without a mask there. But the Lord kept us safe the entire time, even without our masks. And I, we changed people's lives because they needed it. So just wanted to say I encourage you guys to go on missions because, really, we changed so many people's lives. I, by the look on people's faces when we're out in the streets worshiping, they know. They're cheering us on. They're honking their horns. And every dangerous situation that we're in, we were protected by his grace. So just wanted to say, be hopeful, and the Lord will bless what you're doing when you're doing it for him. Woo! All right. Good job. Hallelujah. You got one? Is that what you get? Okay. Come on up. Yeah, come on up. We'll do this, and then I'm going to pray. We got one other thing. I gotta, I'm going to ask Montana if he'll make his way to the stage. <laughs> Hi. My name is Jackie Williams. I'm from the Bahamas. <laughs> but I want you to know the same God that you serve here, we serve in the Bahamas. The one and true and living God. Amen? Amen. And, you know, the gentleman is talking about angels. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. My father was a pastor, but I had my struggles with my relationship with God. I would be in and out of my relationship with God until in 2011, I said to God, I'm going to serve you no matter what. And in 2012, I remember I saw these angels with wings. There's two angels. And I remember trying to wake my husband. I said, the angels are here. But they came right over my bed and I began to shout. I was in the spirit. And he threw his arms over me and I woke up. But it was so real. I said, did I say to you the angels are here? He said, no, you was making some funny noise in your sleep. Now, my speech is a little bit different from this. I'm going to try and talk real slow so you can understand me. And the next day, I went to work. And I was telling my cousin about it. I said, I still can hear the sounds of those wings. She said, Jackie, you know what? Those angels are still with you. And... I called my sister and I was telling her about these angels. She said to me, she said, Jackie, what's going on in your life? Because she lives in Orlando. She said, those angels are here to fight a battle. I said, what's going on? I said, nothing not, not, not usual. You know, little problems here and there, but it was nothing. I said, nothing really. She said, girl, those angels came to fight a battle. They are warring angels. But what I didn't know that God sent them to strengthen me for what I was about to face in 2012. I found myself, I was in a place where I was fighting for my life. 
I was fighting for my marriage, relationship with my children, family. It seems like everything has just fallen apart. To make it short, I, I said, God, because I was in and out of doctor's office. The doctors couldn't find what was going on with me. But then I realized I was in a warfare. So one day I said to God, I said, God, on this day, I want to trade my doctors, all of the medication. I want to trade my marriage, my children, my family for the joy of the Lord. I said, you created this body. And on this day, I want to trade it for the joy of the Lord. I said, God, if you will heal me, I will work for you. Since then, I was ordained as an evangelist. About three months ago, I got my minister license to work in the Assemblies of God in the Bahamas. I haven't taken no medication in about eight or nine years. I haven't taken any med doctor medication. I can say that God is a healer. He is a way maker. He's a miracle worker, a light in the darkness, a promise keeper. Amen. That's who my God is. Woo. That's right. Woo. Amen. Well, we're going to, I want to bless you, but in the process, man, y'all don't know this guy. Some of you may or may not. This is Montana. I just realized I don't really even know his last name. I mean, we got a name like Montana. I mean, you're kind of like Wyoming. No. Just Ray. Just Ray. Just Ray. I'm just being honest. Um, uh, you know, when people come, I, I believe John 3, 8 says it best. Jesus was talking about being born again. And he said, the wind blows. You don't know where it comes from or where it's going. He said, so is everyone born of the Spirit of God. And so I think that is very true, just like in this church. Um, I, I own nobody in this church. This is beautiful. It's his church. He brings people in, and he, 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 he causes them to connect. And I want to tell you, when he brought this guy in, man, the joy of the Lord and this uh, desire to serve. I mean, the children, like I got to see him with my grand. He, he said, with my grandbabies at, at VBS, and they were just like, oh, no. I was like, he had my heart, like, look, who's this? And I want to tell you, right now, he's actually fixing to leave. This is his last Sunday with us. Per, you know, he'll come back and visit with us. Um, <laughs> but he's actually moving back to Atlanta. And he, he's got a fiancé, so any girls out there, sorry. Um, and he's, he's got a job there, and he's going to do that. But I thought, I just want to bless him just for the joy that you have been to serve, to love, to be a part. And, uh, and I want, is there anything you want to say in part anything? I don't want to put you on the spot, but yeah. Um, it's been amazing. I, um, so I moved down here a year ago and I was by myself. I didn't know a single person, um, maybe one or two people that my mom's friend's cousin lived down here. And I thought, oh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll have, we'll meet, never did. And, um, and so it was just so great to be able to uh, find a church home and um, come down here and just be able to connect and be in a small group and just get to know people and actually have a family down here because being, being by yourself, it's, it's a little rough. Um, and so it was really good to uh, have somewhere every Sunday and every week that I could come and just um, be blessed because it was, it was amazing. And I just love the love that this church has. 
Um, I'll carry that with me for the rest of my life. My first Sunday here a year ago, I can remember it. Um, I had multiple people just come up and say, hey, and how uncommon is that now in the world we live in for someone just to say, hey, how are you? You're new here. And so uh, I can't even tell you how appreciative and how grateful I am to uh, allow me to come in and I promise everything that I've seen and heard and learned and every conversation is going with me um, in where the Lord's taking me next. So thank you. Come in. Thank you. If you would, um, I'm going to bless him and then I'm going to ask you, I'm going to bless you. But if you would extend your right hand. Okay, Miss Carolyn, you're coming up. You want to bless him? Sure. I want to say what Montana has been such a blessing. On Monday night at our prayer group, you cannot imagine what one person can do. He comes in there with that smile, and he just overwhelms the presence of God is there. And I just want to encourage that one life, one person makes a difference. Amen. It is exactly right. Yeah, so it's one thing to come, but he actually came in the prayer. And you're welcome on Monday nights in the bullet. It has, you can connect anywhere. We like what we call, we put the cookies on the bottom shelf, the good ones. <laughs> like you don't have to do, you can come to prayer. You can come and get involved. We welcome people to do that. But I want to bless him now. If you'll extend your right hand. Father, I do thank you for Montana. Lord, I thank you first and foremost that, Lord, he heard your cry, he heard your voice, he saw the grace that was extended to him, and he received it. Not only did he receive it, he believed it, and he's lived it. And so, Lord, I thank you, the grace that's over his life right now, that, Father, you're moving mightily in him to move through him. I thank you that you are setting things up in Atlanta, far beyond his own ability and his own understanding. Lord, I thank you right now that every step that he takes Lord, it's going to be fruitful, it's going to be effective, and that, Lord, as he connects, Lord, and, and enters into marriage, that, Lord, you're going to give him power to, to be able to love his wife the way you love the church, that, Lord, you're going, to, you're going to let him live the life of surrender as he's demonstrated before us, one that will draw people to you as he celebrates your love and your life in his life. God, I thank you right now for looking after him physically, spiritually, financially, Lord, in every way, Lord, thank you for your blessing, resting on him in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. If you would stand up with me at this time, I want to bless you. This is what we do. This is our benediction, so to speak, but it's actually the Lord's blessing. And I want to let you know before you go, we will be available. There'll be those who will be glad to pray with you. If you've got sickness in your body, you got anything going on, um, We'd love to pray and believe God for you and with you. Amen. Open your hands to receive from him. Father God, you're the creator of the universe, and you're the one who commanded blessing to be spoken over your people, that your name might be placed on them, and you in turn would do the blessing. And so I say to each one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.